as I started in stand-up, I was like, man, this is like selling. This is like going to a meeting in a boardroom with a group of people whose arms are folded and I need to get them to change their body language and attitude towards me really quickly. And if I don't, their faces will light up, but not because they're having a great time, but because they're on their phones. Because when we are on stage in a comedy club, we can see people on their phones and that's when you know that you've lost them. So I always found there's a tremendous amount of parallels between selling for a living and being a stand-up comedian for practically no living whatsoever. And I decided to tie those two experiences together and help salespeople understand more what they can learn from stand-up comedians, but also how they could use the joke writing process to really better relate to their prospects and connect with them and start more conversations with them. That's John Selig, and he thinks that an important skill you need to be effective in sales is comedy writing. Yes, I did say comedy writing, you heard right. And even if you don't feel funny or you've never been the funny one in your family or group, it'll still help. Here's the thing, being funny is all about context. You have to understand your audience to make them laugh. You have to know what their day is like. You have to know what frustrates them and what they really want but feel they can't have. So the process is the important part, not the being funny part, but it sure helps. And John knows. He sold technology for 12 years, then went on to do stand-up comedy. What he found was a huge amount of overlap between the two. Every audience has a short attention span. And if you can't capture it, you're out. Boot off stage or boot out of the inbox. A single, well-placed joke can highlight a problem you solve, grab attention, trigger an emotional reaction, and make you more likable in an instant. In this episode of Modern Sales, you'll hear from John Selig about how he's helped sales teams at big-name brands be funnier, more relatable, and get more responses to their outreach. Welcome to Modern Sales, a podcast that'll help you sell more by understanding how people buy. I'm your host, Liston Witherell, founder of Serve, Don't Sell, and I dig through academic research, interview people inside and outside of sales, and nerd out on psychology, economics, and neuroscience to figure out how people make decisions. And I am on a mission to change the way 100 million people sell so that buying B2B services can feel as good as the summer sun on your skin when you've been locked up due to a global pandemic. Wouldn't that be nice? If you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button so that you don't miss an episode. And if you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave an honest review. It helps me get the word out for the show so we can, together, change the way 100 million people sell. Thank you in advance for your help. Now to the show. How can comedy writing teach you to have a quicker wit, be more interesting and relevant to your prospects, and actually make the whole process enjoyable for you and for them? You'll find out in my conversation with John Selig right after this short break. Welcome back to Modern Sales. I'm Liston Witherell here, and I am with John Selig, who is the person behind comedy writing for sales pros. John, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Liston. Good to be here. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. I'm glad that you're here. And I want to hear a little bit about this comedy writing thing for salespeople. Where does that come from? Look, it comes from a weird amalgamation 
of my career experiences. I sold both enterprise software as well as professional services, a world with which you are familiar. For about nine years, I sold some SaaS and some other professional services after that. So kind of 12 years in sales. And at a certain point, I was, let's just say, disenfranchised with selling. And is this going to be really what I do for the rest of my life? And I started doing stand-up as a creative outlet. And I got very addicted to the process really quickly. And as I started in stand-up, I was like, man, this is like selling. This is like going to a meeting in a boardroom with a group of people whose arms are folded. And I need to get them to change their body language and attitude towards me really quickly. And if I don't, their faces will light up, but not because they're having a great time, but because they're on their phones. Because when we are on stage in a comedy club, we can see people on their phones, and that's when you know that you've lost them. So I always found there's a tremendous amount of parallels between selling for a living and being a stand-up comedian for practically no living whatsoever. And I decided to tie those two experiences together and help salespeople understand more what they can learn from stand-up comedians, but also how they could use the joke writing process to really better relate to their prospects and connect with them and start more conversations with them. So once you reach Dave Chappelle level heights, you will be able to just collect everybody's phone at the door. You won't have to worry about that one problem. Now, I want to get into the joke writing process and how that can be applied to sales. But quick question on probably at least a few listeners' minds at this point. Do I have to be funny to understand and apply comedy writing? The short answer is no. I believe that the vast majority of us, probably 99% of us, are not sociopaths who do have senses of humor and do understand why we're laughing at things and can at least learn to repeat a joke that we find funny. And so if an entire sales team uses one joke that customers just find really funny because it really triggers something important to them that they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis that they struggle with, and they can go, it's funny because it's true, and they laugh, I believe that most people can learn to repeat that one joke. Some might go, that's not my style. But even if people aren't funny in the moment, which is not something I teach, that's a hard thing to get people to learn how to all of a sudden think funny and to be spontaneously funny in the moment. That's not something that I teach. That's more of like an improv skill. And that also comes from our intelligence, our life experience, our personal experiences, professional experiences. That is not taught. However, even if people aren't funny, they can learn to make a joke their own and deliver it in a way that lends the results they're looking for with their desired audience, aka their prospects. One of my favorite comedians is Ricky Gervais. And if anybody listening to this really wants to nerd out on the joke writing process, you can hear him describe how he comes up with some of these bits and also all of the sort of extremely rational and not funny thought that went into writing the jokes. He's sort of like, I guess, a thinking man's comedian in a lot of ways. So anyway, I do understand what you're saying. So walk me through the joke writing process. What are the steps and how do I start to apply that to sales? I think the most important thing that everybody who wants a joke to hit needs to understand is who is my audience. And in case of salespeople, uh, it's who are our prospects. And we need to understand what's important to that audience. What are they struggling with? What are they fearful of? What are they frustrated with? What do they love? What do they desire? Because I think the biggest challenge 
that a lot of sales reps have today in a very crowded, noisy environment is twofold, getting our prospects' attention and starting a meaningful conversation with them. And if we look at the most popular stand-ups out there, they're joking about highly relatable things like food and dating and marriage and doing the laundry when we want to go to bed, like these kind of things. And there's some other comedians who cater to very niche audiences. So there's loads of ethnic comedians. There's comedians who perform for audiences who have certain nerdy interests. So for example, there's some people who do like superhero movie comedy and jokes just about Marvel and DC movies and for a very niche audience. But the point is, those comedians really understand their audience. And at that point, it's their job to demonstrate to their audience that yes, we are masters of our own domain from a subject matter expertise point of view, not the way that that Seinfeld episode referred to the term master of their domain, but really being subject matter experts in whether it's superheroes, whether it's about dating, whether it's about relationships. And at that point, once we know who our audience is and what's important to them, we have to figure out how are we going to present that detailed subject matter expertise. What Again, if we were to take, let's say, something that our audience struggles with, we would need to sort of write everything we can. Like you said, the same way Ricky Gervais describes it or, or does it, he just gets down mundane thoughts, observations, insights into a particular premise or problem, and he just gets it all on paper. He captures it. And at that point, I mean, I could tell you how I write jokes or how I even, let's do it like this. Let's talk about how I teach people to write jokes. Like sometimes if you're funny, it'll come to you with a smart alecky wrapping around it. But that's not everyone's cup of tea. Some people aren't sarcastic. Some people don't even have insights, right? But I think if you can't observe something and describe it in a very detailed kind of way, I think you're going to fail at being creative and funny. I think you can still be a repeated joke and come off as funny. But if you want to create jokes, you need to be very insightful and document everything you know about a particular topic. So once we've defined the premise and we, we've expressed ourselves around that topic, quite simply, I'm a big fan of identifying words and phrases that are impactful. So whether they're verbs or adjectives, maybe some unique phrases or colloquialisms. So the expression in the dark was something that came out of one of my workshops where the sales reps taking the workshop said, oh, if our customers don't solve the problem that they're struggling with, they're going to be in the dark. So we captured that. When I say verbs and adjectives, what actions are these problems taking? Who or what else is taking it? Are there some good adjectives used to describe the problem beyond just the word frustrating? Because frustrating could be used to describe any problem. So there's all kinds of ways that business people like to describe their problems. I then like to find other ways to say all those words and phrases we just outlined. Like, are there synonyms? If we use the word robust to describe something, what's another way to, to say that something is robust? Let's toss it out there to you. Let's get you participating. Oh, okay. We're doing a live workshop. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah. So what's another way of saying robust? In what context? We lack robust reporting. Mm, I'd say complete. I would say... I gave you a tough one. I, I'm sorry for that. Yeah, actually. robust is a pretty specific word. Yeah. So one of the things, though, that I just wanted to interject is 
I have a background in marketing and I've written a lot of copy in my life. And that actually turns out to be something I spend a lot of time on doing when in my own business. One of the things that I always tell people about writing copy, if and when I'm ever asked, is specificity rules the day. You have to be specific about it. The more you use words that people are either attracted to or repelled by, the more likely it's going to be effective. It can't be for everybody. Do you find that jokes tend to be better when they're more specific or does that not really apply to sales teams? I agree with you. Uh, You hit the nail on the head. And that's why I mentioned when I tell sales reps to describe the problem that they solve in their customers' words, get rid of the word frustrating. Because it's this generic catch-all word that, that can be used to, like I said, describe any business problem. How else can we describe this problem? So it's, you know, again, I don't have a specific problem coming off the top of my tongue, but the more specific we can get with insights into that problem and demonstrate that we understand the specific problem we solve for them, the more it's going to hit the mark when it's in the form of a punchline. Yeah. And so like for frustrated, I would think of synonyms like aggravated pissed off, upset, losing sleep. These are kind of common things that you would think about in terms of like copy that you've read before. So I have an observation. I have to start by knowing who my audience is. I have observations about who they are. And then I start to write those observations down and try to transform them into things that are maybe more specific or just more interesting in the way that they're phrased. What do I do next? Yeah. And so let's say, for example, let's come back to that word robust. The word robust can be used to describe perhaps someone's reporting solution, someone's data warehouse and the type of analytics they can get out of it. But it can also be used to describe tons of other things in a very different realm. So whether it's a red wine, whether it's a dark roast coffee, whether it's an economy, whether it's someone's personality, We can start drawing parallels just using between two things, just using one, what I call sort of fulcrum word or impactful word. And that's the easiest kind of jokes to make are things that compare one thing to another. So that's a really simple way to do it. But something that I've been meaning to get to is that there's a lot of words and phrases that can be taken more than one way. So if I toss out the word draft to you, how do you interpret that word? What does it mean? Well, it means lots of different things. It could mean to like draft behind a vehicle, right? To be in its tailwind. It could mean a first version of something that you write or a first version of a podcast, like some people might think this is. (laughs) It could mean, yeah, lots of different things. Yeah, it means beer. It means there's the military draft. There's a sports draft. That first one you gave was the first time I had heard the word season. It can be used to describe a time of year how we flavor our food, experience. So really what I encourage everyone to do is after they've taken those other steps that I've laid out is to figure out which words and phrases can be used or be taken in more than one way by the listener. Because good jokes are predicated upon surprise, among other things, but a a real twist, a left turn is kind of what makes people laugh the most. And things that mean more than one thing or can be taken more than one way, usually are the fulcrums of the best jokes, in my opinion. At the end of the day, jokes are kind of formulaic in nature. And there's, I teach about five different formulas. And the idea is to sort of, once we've created all those raw materials that I just described, uh, at that point, we sort of need to assemble them. And we use the different joke formulas as templates. 
And it becomes a bit of, I don't want to say a plug and play exercise because there's an art to it. It's not that simple. But those joke frameworks are good starting points to sort of take your thoughts, observations, comparisons, and package them up and then figure out, okay, if there's something kind of funny in here, now we have to test it out on our different audiences, practice it, figure out the timing, and keep iterating and editing it down to the point where it's short and there isn't even a wasted syllable on the joke. How do you know when you get to that point? There's two answers to that. There's from a stand-up comedian perspective and a sales perspective. From a stand-up comedian's perspective, I mean, I go before we entered into a global pandemic, I'd go to all kinds of open mics to test out my ideas. Sometimes it wasn't the jokes themselves that were funny. It was the ideas, right? Because when I'm on a stage, people are watching me. I have body language. People are there specifically because they want to hear something funny. I can use my facial expressions. I can use my tone of voice and the mic in a certain way. And I'm able to use a lot. I have a lot more tools at my disposal to really communicate my ideas and why they're ridiculous or absurd or funny to me. Of course, the first time I would do it, I would express myself. And if it's a room of 10 faces who, again, maybe they don't want to be there because maybe they're, they're supporting a friend. If even one of them is smiling, I feel like, okay, there's something here. I'm going to work on this next time and just try and listen to my recording on my iPhone and go through it and rejig it and figure out, am I giving them too much information? Am I giving them not enough information? Because the audience needs to take in X amount of information so that they can process whether the punchline is going to be fun. You have to provide them with enough information in the setup. The setup could be one sentence. It could be two sentences. In sales, though, we don't have that luxury. So it really comes down to the joke itself. We're not in front of people. People aren't there to hear us laugh. If I cold call you, I have like 12 seconds to see if I can make you laugh and say something that's hyper relatable to you. Right. And most people, I think, don't want to spend that 12 seconds testing out a joke. They're going to fail a couple of times, but they could try on their coworkers. They could try on a couple of prospects that may not matter that they know aren't going to buy anyway. May as well just practice. But I think the reality is if you can find a joke where at the core something is funny and figure out how to shorten it down, you can eventually figure out how do I lead the joke with something that's of value and relevance to the prospect in the setup and then twist it on a punchline that surprises them and gets them to go, that's funny because it's true. How can I help you? Tell me about coming into this. You talked about Seinfeld's Pop-Tart video and kind of his process to come up with this one bit about Pop-Tarts, which is classic Seinfeld, where he takes the utterly mundane <laughs> and does a little bit of wordplay on it and comes up with what turns out to be like a four or five minute bit all about Pop-Tarts. Seinfeld, what he seemed to do was he just decided to, sort of like I described earlier, I'm sure when he said about writing a joke about Pop-Tarts, he got everything down on paper that he felt was either interesting, great, boring, annoying, everything to do with Pop-Tarts. He just dumped on a piece of paper. You know, some comedians do it in a Word doc. Some just choose to get up on stage and kind of do a verbal dump on an audience and then figure it out. I like writing stuff because I think when we're looking at our pages, we're able to see words and phrases that pop out at us. But really what Seinfeld did was he went through this process to, again, describe everything he thinks of and feels about Pop-Tarts, and then just boil it down to some of the more succinct, absurd realities of Pop-Tarts. 
And Seinfeld's not always a traditional joke writer. He has his observational style and he injects his own personality into it. But at the end of the day, he boiled that entire bit down to, again, a few key observations that he finds ridiculous and finds ways to reframe them for his audience. Does that make sense? It does. Totally. Yeah. Earlier when you were talking about focusing on just the material, because you're not going to be there to present it. Of course, one thing you could do if you're in sales is record a video if you want to use it over email. And then you have, as you said, other tools, your tone of voice, your body language, kind of how you move your physicality. But I love this comedian, Ali Wong, who I'm sure you've heard of, who's like totally blown up in the last few years. Yep. And she said her process for testing out her material is she goes and does it completely monotone and almost whispers it at open mics. And the reason she does that is she wants to test out, is the material good absent any of the other stuff, absent her moving around, being animated, like she sticks her tongue out and like pulls her skirt up and shows her underwear during her set. She doesn't do any of that in order to test the material, which I thought was pretty interesting. Well, here's a little story. When the pandemic began, I was just throwing some jokes up on Facebook and even on LinkedIn, and some of them were getting really good reaction. And I was invited to perform for some sales teams. And so I was like, I got to keep it clean. What do I have that's clean? And I went, oh, man, some of those jokes did well on LinkedIn. Some of those jokes did well on Facebook. Let's see if I can inject some of my personality as I deliver them and see what what happens with them. And most of them got better reactions than I expected. Like I thought they were kind of cute jokes, but it turned out people were really laughing at them. So I I think it's a great approach because at the heart of a stand-up comedian's act is their words. If you can't write, you'll never really be able to make an audience laugh. And I think salespeople really need to take the time to think about how can I better relate to my prospect? Because at the end of the day, we've never had their jobs. We've never used the products we sell. We've never worked in their industry. And I'm generalizing. But we have to find that connecting tissue. And a good joke is really a great way to show them you know them and gain some credibility and some likability and, of course, trust. So dumb question, why is it important to make my prospects laugh? Wow, where do we begin? The reality is because you and 9 billion other salespeople are trying to get their attention. It's a pretty noisy marketplace out there, right? So if you're going to get them to even look at your subject line, it has to have an email that needs to inspire a little curiosity. And if they open it, you want them to laugh so that they remember it. Because that's an emotion that we remember is when something makes us laugh. At the same time, if I cold call you, and you answer the phone, and I can make you laugh, it's just going to diffuse all the tension. And you're going to be far more receptive to hearing what comes next. This person made me laugh. I like them. I'm going to give them another 12 seconds. So those to me are the two main reasons why we want to make our prospects laugh. But you know, it's so corny, but people buy from people. And injecting our own personality and, and giving people a good time and showing them that we're fun, I think it might not get the deal done, but it's the tiebreaker. Best opening line I've heard for a cold call and this, I can't take any credit for it. And I wish I could give credit to the person who deserves it, but I don't know who originally said it. He calls up and he goes, Hey, it's listed. I'm here to sell you something. And it's like exactly in opposition to what most people would think the sort of reputation of salespeople is like, they're going to twist the truth and like sort of hide around and soft pedal. And it's just like right in your face. I really love that line. What's good about it is two things. It's a pattern interrupt and it's a truth 
Can you share one joke that you've used maybe that's relevant to salespeople? Maybe you tell it in your training. I don't know. And sort of break down how you arrived at it. Yeah. I was given a reference for one of my workshops from the CEO of a company in Toronto called EventMobi. And on camera, he said this was unique and it was refreshing. And so when I was cold calling sales leaders to introduce myself, I'd say, hey, listen, my name is John Seelig, and this call is like a craft beer because it's unique, refreshing, and ice cold. That one joke has kind of built my pipeline and gotten me deals. That's a simple one. I mean, I've all the jokes that come out of my workshops, again, are hyper-specific to the set of prospects that these sales reps dial into. So I worked with a company called Fleetcore, and they sell prepaid fuel cards. And a major challenge is because a lot of companies don't have credit. So we wrote a joke about the pain of being a small business with no credit. And the joke goes, being a small business with no credit is like trying to bribe a police officer because it's risky. You can't mention it to anyone and you can only pay with cash. (laughs) So we're kind of highlighting some points and some ugly realities of a situation that sucks for the business. And it's like, hey, uh, glad you laughed. This is how we help alleviate that problem. Can we talk? Love that. And so let's talk a little bit about, you have a workshop that you run. Tell us a little bit about your workshop. Traditionally, I've worked with sales teams and it's part crash course comedy writing, part sales training. And we take the time to really break down who that audience is, what problems that the sales team can help them with. What are the impacts of not solving those problems and who's going to be affected in their universe by it? And taking all that and kind of going through that process which I described to you earlier on. And the goal is to get breakout groups to collaborate, to write jokes, and then kind of test their jokes on one another in an open mic format. And most are going to stink. That's the reality. But there's always a few that come through that are gold. And obviously with COVID, I've been forced to sort of move from an on-site flavor to now a, a remote flavor. And I've broken it up into multiple sessions, which I think is actually going to be super positive because great jokes don't get written by amateurs in half-day sessions. People need some time in the shower or on a walk to kind of think about their creativity and their ideas and bring those ideas back to the next session. So I'm excited for that. I work work with them in a variety of ways. I can do just a keynote. I can run, like I said, a six-hour multi-session workshop. But I'm also, in July, going to be launching a comedy writing for sales pros versus sales teams. And people can just register for live classes. They don't have to come with their colleagues, although I think that would be great but they're going to be part of a small eight-person class. And I'm going to guide them through this process over six hours. And our goal is to help our peers figure out how to make something funny and for them to help us figure out how something's funny. And I'll be there to guide everyone through every step of the process. Great. And one of the things that I thought was really cool is something I saw that you posted on LinkedIn was that you're doing a COVID-19 relief program So for anybody listening to this, who's interested in maybe bringing you to their company to learn more about joke writing and how they might be able to apply it within their sales department, what are you doing for COVID-19 relief? Well, so what I'm doing for COVID-19 relief is something that I'm not doing very much of on this podcast, which is I'm just going to be funny and uh, I'm going to bring my stand-up act, which I've been doing to, for the last like two months now. I've performed for about 18 different sales teams in their virtual happy hours. They log in. I tell about a half hour of jokes about how we've been impacted by COVID, 
some sales jokes, but the majority of it comes from my stand-up act. It's all pretty clean, pretty tasteful. I want to say pretty. It's all pretty clean. It's all pretty tasteful. And now nothing to worry about sales leaders. I, I will not offend anybody with anything I say unless curse words are a problem because there's the odd one that slides in. But uh, in short, it's just meant to give reps a break from maybe staring at the screen for a Zoom meeting where they have to just listen to all business stuff. It just brings them together a little bit. I encourage them to bring drinks. I'm not charging for this and why it's really, these are fundraisers. And in short, instead of paying me a dime, I'm asking sales teams to make a donation to a nonprofit that's supporting COVID-19 relief efforts. Uh, Just make a direct donation to them. I'm trying to raise 25K. I'm just around the 10K mark now, only 40% of the way to my self-imposed number. And that's making my sales manager extremely, extremely angry. I've been yelling at myself all day in my apartment. That's really all it is. So it's not even tied to my workshop. Just invite me on. Let me make your team laugh and let's raise some money to help those impacted by this ridiculous, awful pandemic. Love that. So John, you've shared a lot about the joke writing process. You've shared a lot of valuable things about how teams might be able to apply this. If they want to learn more about you or more about the workshop, what should listeners do? Yeah, best spot is johnseelig.com. The H in John is both silent and invisible. So it's J-O-N-S-E-L-I-G.com. It has all the information about my workshops, about how to get me on board for fundraiser comedy, and uh, a bunch of my content, including my web series, Second Opinion, and John Hates Sales, but Love Sales Experts is there. Thank you so much for being here, John. Thank you for having me.